1: And I am so excited because we have all the the boys are back in town. Been a while. That's right. We have uh, we have uh, Tommy Dorian here. Tommy
0: Dorian,
1: (laughs) number fifty eight. So glad you're here. And of course we have Ziggy Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And so glad he's here. I hope my mom doesn't hear this show. You know what? The last time Tom, you and I were together, and Sam wasn't here. He was doing the whale thing. Yeah, whale song. You were you I went know. to a, an interpretive uh, whale song Ooh. conference, yeah. <laughs> and you in fact you said that you said the one seminar you really were excited about, you're looking forward yeah. to, is the one that was whale song haiku. So I, I wonder how that went.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I was I was always as a child I was moved by that Star Trek uh, movie oh. where they where they interacted with the whales and the whales helped save yeah. the world, and so I was like. I too want to help save the world so I figured the obvious way to do that is to learn how to sing with the whales yes Yes.
1: so much uh, truth there it's just beautiful (laughs) (laughs) So, so let me know how that goes for you uh, anyway, Ooh. yes, <laughs> okay, don't do that anymore because <laughs> all the uh, all the technicians at EWTN are going and they're adjusting their dials right now. Going, what is wrong? Getting feedback Sorry. in here, okay. anyway.
0: Oh, we got to the snort, and, <laughs> also,
1: and also, there's some like whale migration going on now. Suddenly, out of the blue, they're suddenly like they're beaching themselves. <laughs> they're going haywire. <laughs> what is going on, anyway. So glad that you're back. So glad that we have everybody back together again. Uh, the band is back together again, and that's a good thing. Uh, I, today we're going to we find ourselves in the middle of the Easter season. Uh, you know, Hallelujah! I mean, just love Easter. Uh, this, what everything Easter is all about. Uh, it's just a, it's a it's a beautiful liturgical season, and certainly uh, you know the high point of our liturgical year. Right, everything flows towards Easter, and everything flows from. Easter, right? And it's just all the all the graces of this time are, are so beautiful. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, in terms of, like, liturgical seasons, it's, like, so long. Mm-hmm. Eight weeks that we, uh, eight Sundays that we experience uh, in Easter. And we find ourselves here in the middle of this. Um, and, but it's a good time to stop and think about, like, why Easter and why things happen and why did this happen to happen this way. And, Sam, you brought up something at one point in time when we were talking about uh, a particular stumbling block that people have yeah. when you're talking about Christianity, just really at what's at the heart of, of the whole thing. And, of course, for us, we see this take place, uh, especially in the Paschal Triduum, in those yeah. sacred and holy three days, uh, the suffering, death, and then ultimately the resurrection. right? But what is that stumbling block that you hear all the time?
0: Um, why does Jesus have to die? And, and, and a lot of times it's phrased in this notion of, well you're telling me that God is love, but you're also telling me that this guy that's supposed to be our heavenly Father has some sort of a a, a bloodthirst that he needs satisfied it doesn't see and he's going to subject his son to that death and that doesn't sound like love you know is what i have I've heard from many, many very thoughtful people hmm. um philosophically developed people uh, have have struggled with seeing the love present in the story of our atonement. Right, we
1: talk about, you know, Deus caritas est, you know, God is love and, and and everything about God is love. And yet, we hear that, well, you know, then he had Jesus killed. Yeah. I mean, you hear it phrased like that. Now, of course, theologically, that's not what's taking place. Right. So, so that we're all clear. Don't start writing the emails and letters yet. <laughs> uh, but, but understand that I, I get that because those same people will also they 'll tie to that like all the evil and bad in the world, yeah, you know why would God let you know kids get cancer and i mean all these and have a, a family have a a car wreck and you know and the devastation and the and the you know hurricanes and all this stuff and
0: God is doing these things to us they 're saying that 's right and and and, and on, and on yeah. top
1: of all of that, he killed his only son right, you know and so it 's like why did Jesus have to die right so we we, we thought that maybe this would be a, a good uh, sort of uh, talking point, th- something to focus on. And and honestly, this is not just a Good Friday discussion. Why did Jesus have to die? Because we also want to tie it to the to the resurrection. You know, why did Jesus have to rise? Yeah. So let's let's look at it first of all. Let's look at it from the perspective of, um, you know, wh- why did Jesus have to die? Uh, you know, you've got an interesting take about whether or not Jesus had to do it, whether he was forced to die or not. Right.
0: Well, I think from this gospel reading, uh, we have an interesting uh, piece of evidence that uh, needs to be emphasized here, where Christ says that uh, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down, mm-hmm. right? Yeah,
1: this is from uh, this week's gospel, uh, John chapter 10, uh, this, you're reading, or You've got, I was
0: paraphrasing. Yeah. Yes.
1: Verse 18. Yes. Uh, and he does indeed say, no one takes it from me. Speaking of his life, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down and power to take it up again. This command I've received from my father.
0: And that's, by the way, what you just read there. I have power to lay it down and power to take it up. So, I mean, he's yeah. he's linking the death and the resurrection. Amen.
1: Right. And there's a connection there.
0: But, but the choice yes.
1: to lay it down was essentially... He is is his obedience to his father, but essentially it's still his choice to be obedient.
0: Right. He's making the free choice for love of us. And so at that point, if our father's not doing it to him, and if he's not doing it to himself, kind of begs the question, then who's doing it to Jesus? Mm, yeah. And it's it's us. It's us, you know? <laughs> right. And because,
1: see, what, what I would also see uh, and what's connected to that is one of the other reasons why I think Jesus had to die. Right. And that is essentially, so all of salvation history, right, all of salvation history, I mean, the people have been taught about sacrifice. Have right. Been talk, I mean, they've been, they've been trained, literally, in how to sacrifice, you know, how to do all the fatted calves and the, the various uh, unblemished lambs and all these, all throughout salvation history with the Jews, there's all this stuff about sacrifice, Right? And so there were sacrifices of atonement for sin. yeah, there were also in Thanksgiving, but, but the, the sacrifices for the atonement for sin is the one that I want to focus on, because I mean, all of that essentially culminates in the one sacrifice yeah. of Jesus. And if you stop and think about it, it was necessary for him to die because that is the only sacrifice that would suffice, literally for all the sins that we've committed. All throughout history, that we are currently committing, and then that we will commit, all of those sins. I mean, the weight of that sin has got to be astronomical, yes. right beyond the counting. And the only sacrifice, the only sacrifice that would answer for all of those things, that would atone for all of that, yes, is. is the sacrifice of perfection, mm. the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So He had to die. I mean, <clears throat> He was the only sacrifice. You know. How many lambs and sheeps and and cattle and everything else, you know, piles of money? What would atone for our sinfulness? And it's it's right that you point out that, you know, the father didn't do it, the son didn't do it. That it's like where the finger's pointing now, <laughs> you know, right at us, right, right. And it's it's our sin, our disobedience, right, our fallen nature. It's us who have essentially. Uh, caused this to happen, and he willingly takes up the mantle and says, I'm going to do this, I will do it right that's that's beautiful.
0: well, he's revealing us to ourselves. And revealing himself to us simultaneously. He's revealing himself to be a loving, merciful God who desires to take all the consequences of sin upon himself. He's revealing us to ourselves that we are sinners.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: You know, and so that both of those revelations are important in order to have a complete picture of him and us. You know, and, and
1: also, if we're going down a list of reasons why uh, God, like Jesus, had to die. Right, right. Another one is where people might say, like, "What kind of a loving father allows his son to die? What kind of a loving father kills his son? What what kind of a loving father? His plan of salvation included the death of his son. That's not a very loving father, in their mind, right? Right. right. But, but I, I just again, this to me, that's uh, I, I think that in a in a theology is usually countercultural right for because we're fallen right so it's going to be against the culture cuz the the reality is that that god did what he did the way he did precisely because he was loving in fact his love is what creates the situation cuz essentially his love is not that he would destroy his son right his love would be that he would allow his son to essentially be martyred in a perfect way for us, because he loves us so much. So this shows you the depth of God's love for us to allow his son, right, to be part of this, uh, to make this salvation possible for us, right?
0: You know, another thing I've heard for, this is from Father John Ricardo. He gives a, a beautiful talk available on YouTube Proclaiming the Kerygma. He, exp- he discusses this in a way that's also very effective insofar as he talks about Death and sin are dominions that are being conquered. That's why it's typically the, the, described as the dominion of death, the lordship of death, or of sin in Paul's epistles mm. and, and, and various writings within within the Bible. And these are dominions and lordships that are getting conquered by Jesus. And and you know one of the points that Father John brings up, he says we need to remember throughout the Passion narrative that Jesus is utterly invincible. He says in that talk, um, where do you get a nail to nail the creator of the universe to a cross? Mm. You know, he's only there because he wanted to be there. And they say, well, why did he want to be there? He said, well, he's camouflaging his divinity in that moment. And, and, and that basically the devil is looking at him on the cross and saying, you know what? In the next few minutes, I know that you're a real special guy. And you're, yeah. But you're mine soon. And so it's a like what Father John says, it's like he let uh, himself get swallowed up by death so that he could explode it from the inside. Oh, man, yeah.
1: Well, again, you know, uh, uh, yeah, he climbed in the whale for three days. Right, right? yes, that's the
0: sign of Jonah. <laughs> yeah. that he- Except
1: the whale explodes. <laughs> I like that version better.
0: Gosh, now I'm thinking about my friends from the Whale Song Conference.
1: There's a very, there's a very sad song that's sung about that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, how would we get there? I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So, so let's continue on this path because there's all kinds of reasons when you're stopping, thinking like, why did Jesus have to die? Uh, and another one it, it sort of came to mind to me as i was um, as I was listening to the passion narratives uh you know at Palm Sunday and then again on good friday and when we read those 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 beautiful accounts of what took place you know in, in a in a more modern church we we now have uh, people uh the crowd like taking parts right people people get to participate. You know, it's like participation theater, right? And we all get to, we all have places to, to you know, and it's, it's more like a little uh, a production. Now, it can be done very tastefully and it's beautiful. And but there was something about that that made me think for a second. Um, I remember as a young man, as I'm kind of coming back into my faith. I remember suddenly having a, a little bit of a realization when I was shouting from the pews, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" Right? I realized. That, that like, this wasn't just about me having a part in a play. This was me having part in a crucifixion. And that I was calling for that crucifixion. And namely, that I was the reason for that crucifixion, right? Um, and, and so all of this made me start thinking about participation, how we participate. And, and, and it kind of led me on this little train of thought that made me start thinking, like, well, okay, if I want to participate, why? Well, I want to be more Christ-like. And we all want to be more Christ-like. We all want to follow the ways of Jesus. We want to be. We want to. We want to. We want to dine with sinners, right? Right. We want to hang out with uh, with all the with all the people because we're we're going to be good and we're going to bring goodness and and we want to and we don't want to turn the other chip We all and we we pick all these things about Jesus that we want to be and we want to do and we are willing, right? We are willing to participate in that way, and uh, we're willing to walk out into the world and be more Christ-like, and yet the ultimate Christ-like thing to do is to die on the cross and we are less willing to do that mm-hmm. We will we will cry out crucify him <laughs> right but yeah. we' not we're not willing to necessarily p- play the part of Jesus and say crucify me mm-hmm. that's 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 a that's a that's a challenge for most people so he had to die so that we would see, what it was to truly be Jesus, so that we could say, if we want to be Christ-like, dying to ourselves, dying to the world, that's necessary. Hmm. That's absolutely necessary. So we're going to continue with this line of thinking here. Uh, We're talking about why Jesus had to die, and ultimately we'll get to why he had to rise. Uh, but we're first going to take a break. Uh, it's sort of midway here. Um, before we do that, want to remind folks at home we got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. We also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com.
0: And like us on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. Ooh. I was just about to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Besterzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winfred’s name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. St. Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the Gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how Saint Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the God of St. Boniface, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true God. Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the Church. He converted many to Catholicism, but at the same time made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, To us, this was a period of light, When the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us, the feast day of Saint Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Best Rosimski, and this is another great moment in Church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're
1: back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez. That's oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, wow, that was, that was more than I could handle. And it's, that was whale song, by the way. Everyone who's just yeah. wondering what what have I tuned into? And of course, we have. Uh, I was going to say Tommy Doe Ryan, but I'm not going to say that. That was actually a whale
0: sonnet, just so you know. A whale
1: sonnet, (laughs) yes. I could tell the difference, or I think you can tell the difference. And then, of course, Thomas Patrick Dorian is here to grace us with his presence. And so we are talking about why Jesus had to die. Um, And I kind of, you know, um, just to sum things up, you know, it was absolutely necessary that he die because we need to be able to see the perfect example right? We need to see the perfect example of what it means to truly be like Jesus.
0: As you're saying this, I'm reminded of a talk by uh, Father James Shea. Uh, It was a homily about Pontius Pilate, largely. And, you know, Addressing the point that most of us will point our fingers at Pontius Pilate, good thing we're not like unholy people like Pontius Pilate. You know, we're holy people, totally different than that. And he's he calls us to ask ourselves when when do we ourselves become Pilate in our lives? Mm. And specifically, he's saying like, am I not condemning Jesus when I knowingly am choosing a sin? Jesus has said you shouldn't do this. And I say, I know better. Is that not me condemning Jesus in that moment and uh, condemning him to the cross <laughs> by my sin? And so I, I, that was very convicting for me. Yeah,
1: we, and, and we all do that. That's what our sins do. And I, I thought it was interesting, a little bit of movie trivia uh, in The Passion of the Christ, uh, the director Mel Gibson, like him or not, in terms of the the the, the things that mel 's gone through and 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 how he 's expressed himself poorly sometimes uh, but that that film is a beautiful depiction, and he actually uh wanted to be the one he 's actually the close up of the hand that drives the nail into Jesus is actually mel gibson 's hand holding the nail
0: wow yeah it was it was a, wow. a
1: director 's choice for him to do that, and it was to show like it 's my sin. That is crucifying Jesus, oh my goodness that 's a power it's just a powerful kind of a a, a witness uh, uh, there but um so so okay so we've talked about Jesus, why he had to die, so why did he have to rise?
0: well, one thing I think is important to remember he 's not just conquering death but he's also conquering our fear of death and the effect that that has on us spiritually and what I mean by that if we look at wisdom chapter two, it gives an account for. Uh, how sin enters our lives, right? Uh, we know that pride is the, is the sort of the root sin generally. But wisdom chapter two gives an argument that our fear of death is the thing that makes us likely to sin. It says, "This is inside the mind of an unjust man." brief and troubled is our lifetime there is no remedy for dying nor is anyone known to have come back from hades for by beer for by mere chance we were born and hereafter we shall be as though we had not been because the breath in our nostrils is smoke and reason a spark from the beating of our hearts and when that is quenched our body will be ashes and our spirit will be poured out like empty air even our name will be forgotten in time and no one will recall our deeds and it continues and it goes forward and so it's talking about not just the fear of the biological reality of death, but fear of ultimate meaninglessness, fear of personal annihilation, fear that you'll, even you're, you're a memory of you will eventually be blotted out. And so, the, at that point, when you have that, that deep sensed, uh, that deep seated primal fear, you're 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 susceptible to say, Ah, well, my provision is here. What's on this earth, and you'll reach for that uh, and, and take what you can. And that, that's what causes us to sin.
1: And all of that uh, wisdom literature there points us to Jesus on the cross but essentially the resurrected Jesus that overcomes death that gives us a new a new thing to reach out and grab for. Yes right it, life to, to reach to reach out for life and and, and he had to rise because if he didn't rise right all that's I mean we'd still have that fear of death.
0: Yes, he's conquering not just death but our fear of death. Because if we believe that we share in his resurrection, which we are all invited to do, then at that point we're able to have a proper perspective of the things of the earth. We can look at them from the things of from the perspective of heaven, along with him.
1: And using sort of every man's theology, you can also realize that when Jesus overcame death, right, as uh, fully God and and fully human, when he overcame death, essentially um, it it. Taught us that um, we can, if if we tie ourselves to that, we can do anything. We can, we, we are capable of of anything through Him, right? Yes. Uh, and it, it gives us strength. It gives us power. It gives us. It gives meaning to everything that He did, right? It's the it's the icing on the cake. More than that, it's really the whole cake, kit and a boodle. It's it's everything because essentially, it's what everything pointed to, right? And all of that would have been. Would have been worthless. All the words, uh, all the all the all the prophecy, um, every message that Scripture has, all the Old Testament, uh, God's covenantal relationship with His people would have been null and void had Jesus not risen from the dead, mm. and 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 that's why it's important for us. You know, uh, not to um, when you're watching the the some of these history channel shows, and when they find like ossuaries, little burial boxes that that say that Jesus was bo- was buried here, yeah. and we have his bones. That's a problem. Oh yeah. So when people say like, well, would it be a big deal if you found Jesus that had he had been buried and that, that these were his bones? Yes. It would be a huge problem. It would be the, the the largest, most huge fundamental problem that the world ever encountered because it would mean that salvation wasn't real and salvation was not possible because Jesus was overcome by death,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So he had to rise. If he didn't rise, everything he would have said, no matter how nice and woke and friendly and progressive and cool and how everybody accepted how
0: beautiful all his words were, it would have been meaningless. It, it would have all been lies. Well, and also there's the Eucharist. You know, we're sharing in His resurrection when we are sharing in the most holy Eucharist. He's making possible that offering to be extended through the end of time uh, because his, of His resurrection.
1: Exactly right. So, we what would be the point of going to mass if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just it would it'd be more like a séance. Yeah. We, I mean, which is which is creepy and it's bad. It's very creepy. But essentially, we wouldn't want to be going our Sunday seance, you know. <laughs> and let's go talk to the dead. That's not what's happening, right? Right, and because essentially God is alive, and 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 if we see that, and and for us Catholics, it's beautiful because. That's essentially is what gives life to Eucharist because Eucharist is life because Eucharist is Jesus. Yes, right. Uh, uh, you know, when we talked to Annie just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. she pointed. She she kept telling me every time I said Eucharist and I referred to Eucharist as an it. She's like him. She yes. had that, she had that look in her face, right? <laughs> and, and and I read that means because we have to re- remember and realize that Eucharist is not a thing. It's a person. Yeah, right? truth person. itself is yes. a person. Yeah, it's beautiful. So lots to, to, Jesus resurrected, Jesus rose from the dead for us, for the benefit of us, because he loves us. That's why he had to die. But it's a beautiful gift to us. Let's, let's ask the Blessed Mother to be on our side in this as well.
0: The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation, one cup of coffee at a time.